Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash monthly 5 k If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. Podcast Network Asia. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Capita. Capita's software solution seeks to automate the equity management process for startups, including workflows around cap tables, ESOPs, due diligence, and transactions. Sign up at capita.com to get started with your digital cap table, ESOP, award granting, and all things equity. Free for companies with under 25 stakeholders. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. Also powered by Pod Machine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. It acts like credit. It's money that you don't have. You just don't have to ever repay it. So in that case, a lot of us benefit from other people's capital being advanced to us. And so the lower your interest rate is, the closer it becomes to an investment. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Baityong. Welcome to this episode of Share Podcast. We are back with a vengeance again. New Year's, but I've been wanting to get this man in this show. We're now around year four, and I'm glad we finally got you again. Um, 
It's been a been a heck of a journey. But before I get carried away, let's welcome to the show, Mr. David Bonifacio Abridge. All right, thank you so much. Um, and again, David, welcome to the show. Finally, we got you here. Oh, thanks. I mean, I've listened to I don't know how many episodes by now, <laughs> but yeah, glad to be here. And I've really seen it evolve. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, from me cussing too much. <laughs> To now, be cussing more, yeah, <laughs> minimizing my cussing uh, thing. I remember back in the early early days of the show, I got messages from from people like, "Hey, you cuss too much." There are kids <laughs> listening to the show. First of all, why are there kids listening to my show? But again, I appreciate all the support. But again, it's now your turn, and you are one of the inspirations that I've had. I don't know if you remember, but there's one key point in my life where you really helped me out. This is in between when Party File failed. And I was just about to launch Chatbot, and I visited in your office in Eastwood or near Eastwood, Bagumbayan. Technically. Yeah, I was very near there. Back there. Then. Yeah. And you gave me the best advice, and again, helped me propel to launch Chatbot in the traditional way, which is through profit. And ever since then, that's when I think one of the biggest turning points in me trying to think like a businessman rather than a startup founder. Because startup founder, you're you're built to think. To burn money, grow, grow, grow at all costs. Blitz scale, yeah. Blitz scale. But now, again, just super grateful. I just want to get that out of the way because you are amazing. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million dollar question. David, what's your hustle? Okay, to I think to put it really simply, particularly in the Philippines, uh, you know, I, I started Bridge. Mm-hmm. And so under Bridge is our payroll company. We offer outsourced payroll. And access, which provides uh, wage-backed financial services like loans. Wow! I think we're the lowest in terms of interest. Mm-hmm. We're very quiet. We're, I wouldn't really call us like like a venture startup. I mm-hmm. guess we shifted to something that's more conservative, quiet, right? More aligned with my personality, also. I think, yeah. And then on the other side, I'm also the the country partner for DNB Aura. Yes, which is a Singapore-based regional fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're mostly focused on Series A. Investment in yep. the Philippines, though we've started rolling out our uh, scout fund. Yes, um, to have. start really help build the ecosystem. Yeah, a few interesting things there. Like I think last year was our first year beyond the pandemic where the team was finally able to come and nice. see. I think everyone's excited about the Philippines. Yep. Shout out Sam. Yeah, there you go. You met Sam. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then during the pandemic, Banjo Castillo, good friend of mine, you know, very very accomplished professional executive, uh, you know, across these big brands, right? So. Um, we decided we wanted to put up something that could help a lot of the companies that were affected. Mm-hmm. So we put up a, it's an investment vehicle called Archangel. Wow. So the idea there was to start investing in emergent businesses, which are not necessarily businesses that, I would say, you know, an emerging business is something that has shown critical mass in okay. either means of supply or or the demand. Okay. It's like, it's hit critical mass. Emergent for us was more areas that had reached critical points. Uh, Learning, um, you know, like education in a post-pandemic world, what's that look like? Wow. Um, liquidity. A lot of people were, you know, basically running out of cash. Got it. And livelihood. Absolutely. And during the pandemic, that's a boon, right? I mean, there's so many businesses that almost went belly up. Some of them went belly up. Yeah. But that was going to be amazing. But before I get carried away, because there's a lot to unpack here, but before we unpack each and every one of them, I need to ask you to buckle up, my man, because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. All righty, there you go. Going all the way back. 
So we are now all the way back from your origin story. So David, again, I've learned so much about you. And again, just to simply unpack from what I remember from that point that you told me that when you started your journey, and I'm not sure if that was the real start, you had a handicap because you had to technically get a sinking boat from sinking. But before we even get to that, can you talk about how was life growing up? Because again, from what I remember, you've been, again, the, the son of a pastor. Not You are still the son of a pastor. <laughs> what the still hell alive. <laughs> No, no, it's not about that. I, like, I'm not hell? a very good representative, but yeah. Okay, but again, you, you you grew up in a in a family where persuasion and faith come at a crossroads, hmm. and of course, entrepreneurship is part of that, right? And it's a really unique mix. But what was that like, and what was the mindset growing up in in your household? You know, I think for sure my parents had a big influence. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was a businessman, and then he essentially either sold or gave up most of the companies to become a pastor. Wow. Um, which I wow. Which I respect I respect more now than I did back then. Right. Absolutely. That's <laughs> hard. I, I remember my younger brother was like, so you mean we're gonna be poor? <laughs> so I mean and because there because there is there is a real you really do trade, you know. I, I think I respect it more now. And it's part of I guess one of the things is where my dad is very clear about his own life score and he mm-hmm. pursued it, you know, regardless of the the financial score. Right. Um, I thought that was not regardless, but I mean, I would say like he didn't make a financial score his primary score. Got it. So I think I think that was a big influence in the sense that I always realized that you could pick your own score. Mm. It didn't have to be the score anyone else gave you. You know. Right. I think that was. But also because he was a businessman, I remember as a kid, like his bedtime stories. Right. I mean, that's kind of extreme. Like he'd bring in like a whiteboard okay. and bring like charts and things what? like that. <laughs> and then my mom would be like, what the heck are you doing? Get out of here. Go to sleep. You know, you know. Um, so, so, that, so I think that was really what I, like, got me interested in business. All nice. Those things. I don't think I was, I think maybe up to high school, I did okay in school. Pretty okay. good. I mean, college was not stellar at all. Mm. I, I tried to work early, okay. you know. Did some work like, early, like work in while you're still in school, or yeah, yeah, while I was still in school, like oh, wow. I would try and get like these outsourced uh, web design jobs and then oh. outsource it to other people. I couldn't design a website right? okay. or, or develop one. Back then, there was a lot of arbitrage, right, 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 that you could. I was really trying to get these jobs and work and save. Yep, I think I was a big part of it. So, you know, any any free time I could, like I tried to get my subjects Tuesday Thursdays. Mm. You know, so you have, it was it was tiring. It's right? seven to nine p.m. Seven a.m. to nine p.m. Got it. I think that developed my work ethic, but it gave me a lot of free time to do other things. Ah, you know, okay. on the MWF. Right, right. And then, I think, you know, I think another formative time was in my last sem break before I graduated. I went to Kabul, Afghanistan. Kabul. For, yeah. So you know Paul Paho. I'm sure right. you know him, right? Shout yeah, out, so, page yeah, man. So I was chatting with him, and he was yeah. like. I said, hey, dude, I'm thinking of something to do. This is how long I've known this guy, right? Oh, goes, like, <laughs> Did he have hair still? Back he, he's never, I've never seen him with hair. Right, yeah, so, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was his look. At, oh, he did have hair here. Okay. <laughs> okay. In the chin. In the chin okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, let's be careful where he is. This is a podcast. <laughs> so yeah, um, like, so like he, so I go, it's my sem break. And he just like kind of randomly goes, why don't you come to Afghanistan? He was based in Kabul then. Paul Paul used to be a missionary to Kabul. Yeah. This is pre the war. This is like 2000. I went in 2004. This is the first elections after the war. Oh yeah, my after they God. came in, right? This after during, the Taliban was kicked yeah, out. Yeah. So, wow. So I was like, hey, that sounds like a 
cool idea. So I sent my passport to him. What? You know, he sent it back with a visa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We worked it out between us. And then, you know, somehow, I, you know, it's probably not the best venue. But somehow I figured out how to pay for it. You know, right. I didn't have any money as a student, right? Yeah. Through my parents' stuff, you know, mm. uh, used their points and things like that. Wow. And then told them. And then my parents were like, what? You're nuts. But, you know, they were ended up <laughs> supporting it anyway. It's amazing. Yeah, because they, they were very supportive right. you know, about the... Obviously, it terrified my mom in particular, right? Yeah. But it was like, so that was a really, I was only there for a week, but I think it was very, very formative in the sense that you really see, you know, you really get out of yourself, yeah. out of your world, and you see a different space. You experience different things. The funny thing is, when I get there, Paul wasn't there. What? Yeah, he wasn't there. He was in Dubai partying. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah. That's so Paul, right? Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. come meet me in Poblacion, but I'm not there anymore. Huh? Just yeah, enjoy yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. What happened? What happened in that one week, and how how was it so formative that you know it it's left an indelible mark in your, in your yeah, life till I think now? You find that you're like, we're really all more similar than we are different. Absolutely, you know I think that's very clear. I think it also makes you a bit more fearless, you know, you mm. because you. So there was one time where I was shopping in a place called Chicken Street. Chicken Street. Yeah, and then you know the the guy I was with got the time wrong, so we left early for okay. a meeting. We thought the meeting was like I think like twelve thirty or something at end. We get there, there's no one there, right? What? The meeting spot. And it's true, the meeting was at 4 p.m. or something like that, right? So, so I was like, we turn on the TV, the place where we were was hit by a suicide bomber. Oh my God. Right? And then, so it's like, and then you realize, oh wow, you know, you really don't have a lot of control. Right. You really have to take, make the most of your, your actual moments you have. Wow. So things like that, right? That was mm -hmm. really, or this place I wanted to play tennis in, like, Got hit by an RPG. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> oh, I mean, funny in a weird way. It's what? like, I was like, okay, wow. I can't play tennis, you know. Or, or, but I think all of that to say that you really see the world in a different light. Right. You don't see yourself as exceptional. You really yeah. see yourself as like another piece of a bigger exactly picture, but a very fragile piece at that, right? Correct. And then, but if you make the most of it and you're mm -hmm. you're happy to be open to the new experiences, you enjoy it a lot for what it is. It was Ramadan during that period, oh and remember, my. I'm. So fasting with them, eating with them after, I thought that was a really nice experience. Right. I thought like, you know, just, I just had a really good time. I wanted to go back for a year after. Okay. But instead I helped the, the church set up a foundation, like a Got scholarship it. foundation. Did that for a while. That was also really, really good to see how, mm -hmm. you know, just how difficult it is for most people to, to, to catch up, right? Or, or to get any advantage. Mm -hmm. So yes, yeah, so I think a lot of those uh, experiences really dealing with people who are either um, uh, in really bad situations, not because they're bad people or anything, but because of the circumstances they're in, I uh, really opened my eyes to, you know, you, you kind of grow up where it's like, if you work hard, mm -hmm. you become successful, you have a good life. If you don't work hard, you know, you become poor. It's not right. necessarily true for everyone. Yeah. A Meritocracy, lot of again, as much as I believe that it exists on some countries... It's a myth in a lot of countries, especially yeah. here from where we are uh, in the Philippines that, you know, the opportunities that you are given solely is a reflection of your network and where you originate from. And again, I'm, I'm an outlier because I should, I should not be here um, knowing where I came from and how I speak this way and I look this way. But if I hadn't learned how to speak English this way, it's not even close. But mm. In, in that light, right? Given that you now understand the opportunities that are presented to you after Afghanistan, when you came back, 
since again, you have a different perspective now. Yeah. What was the first few things that you started doing, especially now that's coming out of college now, and you what are the next adventures that you started to pursue? You know, I think pre pre the foundations because after the the scholarship, I also joined the board of Habitat for Humanity. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was really also interesting eye opening you know met really amazing people who wanted to build housing you right. know like um, it's a major issue it's a major issue for the philippines yep. part of it is because we have such a large um growth rate birth rate right, right. yeah um hint condoms right yeah <laughs> um, but the but the i think the i think one of the things that we can think about is um i think the the more i thought about it is i think two things change the first one is um over time mm. My concept of value has changed. Um, when I was younger, value for me was about how much money and what money can buy, right? Mm. Um, and then as I got older, value for me became how much uh, how much life you could unleash. Nice, you know, like how much. I think I think that's what's really changed. So, and I think part of that is these um, um, experiences, but part of it also was thinking over. The family business, mm. which was in a lot of debt at that time. Right. The story there is we had actually sold that company, so we didn't know we owned it. But then, something like my dad had co-signed an old old loan because he had oh. very good credit, so it was a clean loan that the new company was supposed but to have was paid the, out. All right. But they the guarantor, never did technically for over ten years. What? So we had ballooned. Right, oh, so we good. took company back. We cleaned it up. Yeah. What? Okay, just for content, if you're comfortable yeah. talking about what company is this and how bad was the the financial? I won't mention the company, but it was pretty okay. bad. It was probably about. I mean, on hindsight, I was 23 years old then. 23. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, like a few million. Oh my god. Yeah, like a, I would say like eight digits. Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> so, like, yeah. What? Not small. Yeah. And that was just the Philippines, right? It wasn't Hong Kong. It wasn't like all the wow. other stuff. So there was also stuff there. But the but having fixed it, I think that was good. It was a good. It was an interesting experience. Mm. But I remember on one of the business trips, I was in Amsterdam. I talk about this experience yep. a lot because we yep. asked, we're meeting with one of our partners there. Okay, I was meeting with one of our partners there. Right. And so the funny part was when I. You know, a lot of people say that when I share this part, they, say, they all think I was high. I was right. definitely sober. <laughs> but basically, I, I was in the Rijks Museum and I was right. looking at the paintings. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at the paintings, you're obviously moved. Mm-hmm. I'm a painter also. So, okay. so I, I love these things. And so, like, you, you realize there's value in these paintings, but you can't price it. Mm-hmm. And as a businessman, you're wired to price. Of course. And you're looking for... You know, this is a good investment with the return. And <laughs> yeah. now you're faced with something you recognize as value, right. but you can't really price. What's it worth? 100 million, 200 million, like a billion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some people say, right, like the value is the fair, whatever, if someone's willing to pay for it, someone's willing to sell, that's the value, right? I think. But then I, I went back to the hotel and I was like, thinking about that idea that there are values, there are things of value that aren't just market driven or aren't just yeah. priced. And markets change, right? Like, mm-hmm. If it was a disaster, you'd trade your MacBook Pro for supply of water. You know? yeah. Onions now. Yeah. Onions are yeah. onions. <laughs> yeah. onions now, yeah. Right. And so when I was thinking about it, I came up with these criteria. The first one was materials mm-hmm. used. So things of value. You I, When I look at the things I valued, mm-hmm. they tend to be made of certain materials. Gold, diamond, yep. you know, like rare materials. Yep. The second one is craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. So when I look at things I valued, it'd be like 
intricately crafted, master right. crafted, you know. Mm -hmm. Then I would look at function, like a MacBook Pro is more valuable than a MacBook. Absolutely. Rarity. So let's just say single edition or limited edition is more valuable than, you know, mass yep, produced. Yep. Uh, maker, you know, I wear cheap clothes, but if you put a guy on a horse and my shirt, all of a sudden it's worth more, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I guess as a, as a badge of the quality of the maker, right? Right. And then lifespan, when things last longer in that famous uh, Patek commercial, which is you never really own one, you hold on to it for the next right. generation. Right. So it has that longevity, right? Mm -hmm. So so I started writing it down and I started throwing the stuff I valued, like stuff I owned and stuff I wanted. And I was working hard for against mm. that criteria. Then I realized that the most valuable thing in my universe were people. Absolutely. Like materials used. Everything I was after was inert, no life. Wow. You know, and here I was like surrounded by, you know, Philippines with a lot of people. Mm. You know, I was willing to save on them to have more of the inert. Right. And I said, okay, wait, I need to change something, right? Uh, craftsmanship, you know, science is always trying to copy, like breakthrough in science, we copied the human ear. <laughs> you know, right, it's like, right, right. And then there's just like millions of years. Mm. walking around, right? Like there's already these things that are just so intricately crafted. It actually sparked an interest in like how the brain works. Wow. Can you think about the most expensive computer and the human brain, the human mind, right? Mm. Uh, very intricately crafted. Like, yep. One you, of one, always. Yeah. Well, I mean, that also speaks to the rarity, right? right. Single edition, one mm -hmm. of one. Function, you know that people are more, I mean, if you look at people as simply their economic function, then it's easy to say, okay, you're worth this much, you're not worth this much. Yeah. But for example, like I have a kid He's not an economic gain. He's an economic drain. There. Right? Like he's, you have a kid, right? You have, how many no, kids? You don't have kids yet. I'm married, but I don't have okay. a kid. Well, so well, you'll, you'll, well, I don't know if a wife is an economic gain or an economic drain. Depends. Depends, if they Depends on their works. mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Around Christmas and around uh, probably a couple months. <laughs> net uh, drain. Net yeah, drain. It's probably go. a net it drain. Evens yeah. it out. Evens <laughs> it out. There you go. But, but you think about it. They bring you joy. Yes. Right. They're not, you don't marry who you're going to marry. I mean, some people probably do, right? Depends. Yeah. Uh -huh. But I mean, at least for me, right? Like, I think the joy my family brings me, you know, and I'm not necessarily a model family guy at all by any means. But, you know, like, you know, when I, when I see my kid or I see yeah. my wife, the joy they bring me is just, it's more than any more money I would have Absolutely. made, you know, or, mm -hmm. or have saved, right? Mm -hmm. If they were in my life. Maker, you know, if you're, if you're religious, you believe God made man, you know, if you're unreligious, you, meet, you believe man made man. You know, and I think either way, it's, it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. uh, lifespan. So, for example, if you believe God made man, you believe the soul's eternal. Absolutely. And, you know, like, I think that's a good way to make your money last forever. Right. Right. You convert it to, I call it the asset class that heaven accepts. There you, you know? go. Now, if you believe that man made man, I think, I think that's a very plausible thing to believe also. And I think the way I see it is you live on to the lives of people you've touched. Yep. Absolutely. And so if, you've, if you live on through the lives of people you touch, the more people you touch in tangible ways, right? Mm -hmm. Not in just kind of like fluffy or, you know, like, <laughs> but like, for example, because of your life, someone went to school, got a job, took his family out of poverty. And so these led to new scores for me. Mm -hmm. Impact scores like gross wage value, the amount of mm -hmm. wages I get to generate over time or the companies we do get or cost of impact. How can we drive down the cost of impact for this field? Wow. Right. So those are the things that I, I find myself obsessing over more mm -hmm. than just the kind of like net worth, <laughs> like valuation. Right, stuff like that. Again, that takes a, a massive amount of inflection or inspect, that's the proper word, you know, inner thought, right? That for you to be able to understand it. I'm not sure if that took time. And I really want to understand while this metamorphosis is happening within you, mm. you had a big ass bill to pay because you had a, you had a ship 
that you had to overcome. Before we take our, our first break, I want to understand, because this is the most epic story I've heard. And this is, again, the pivotal moment of how my mindset shifted from, hey, I need to raise funds all the time because that's the only way you can sustain your startup. Mm. But here you are, I'm talking to you in between my failed startup and this new one that I'm trying to do. And you did it with a negative, negative eight digits and you turned it into a profit over time. How did you get that done? I think there's definitely a lot of trial and error. Right. I, I would say if I were to, like back then, I had no like master plan. I didn't know anything. I was right. 23, right? I was just going to try everything. Yeah. I think if I were to look back, right, and what worked, right, I think the first one is break down the really big problems mm. to the small things you can handle. Got it. You know, that was one of the best pieces of advice I got, you know, from mentors. Nice. So, so then look at the eight digits. How yeah, can you dissect like, the eight digits? Yeah. Is small. And get it to the point where it's you can do something this hour, you know? So for example, like meeting, I met with uh, creditors a lot, mm. right? You know, I think that helped them reassure them that I wasn't going to run or anything. Right, right. I, was, I was committed to this. I think I was big. I think making sure also you have, like if I look at this, like any kind of like whatever, you know, modest level of success I have now is, it's really all the other people that I've built uh, connections with. Okay. When I say connections, I don't just mean like, like connect on LinkedIn or yeah. whatever. <laughs> I mean like there, there's really a vested interest in each other's right. success. Yeah. You know, like you're rooting for and actively helping someone out. Yeah. Yeah. And and they and the, the same for me. Uh, I mean, they feel the same for me. I think that's been yeah. huge. Then I think there's a lot to be said about persevering. Yes. And and not not being in a hurry. Right. You know, this is a great book. Uh, South. South. By Shackleton, Ernest, uh, okay. Ernest Shackleton, I think, yeah. Um, South. De- highly de- recommend it. Mm-hmm. Where I like reading those older books, or, you know, I don't know if you ever read Hemingway Revenant. type of Yeah, I love those stuff, books, right? like Sam Harris. Like, uh-huh. like, it, it just gives you a different kind of person, right? Mm-hmm. right? Someone who can last years, Yep. you know, who can, who can, he's just like on his own journey, doesn't care about, you know, how many likes he gets on social right. media or... That's not a metric when they do that stuff, right? And it kind of like the, I mean, it's 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 very rare now, but it's like the, this very clear but independent-minded person. Like, I've committed to this, whether yeah. it's a tragedy, I'm going to see it through, you nice. know, something like that. So I think, I think that really helped that attitude of, I think my, I think in a weird way, like uh, my faith really helped me. I say that in a weird way because I wouldn't mm-hmm. say I... One is I couldn't say, especially back then, I was like exemplary, right. you know, in, in the practice of my faith. Uh-huh. I think a lot of my voices came out from the stress of that period. <laughs> um, it's a phase. Everybody goes through that. I went through a phase too. I, I, I mean, mine is more in a phase. But I think uh-huh. the, like, so for example, like, I remember times reading my Bible while drinking. You know, <laughs> because kind of like, um, but I think that was really, really a, right. a good time where yeah. on one end, it was really counterintuitive but another yeah. one was also really more it was very real mm. right gotcha because you're you know you're you're able to experience things in a new way absolutely but at the same time you see you feel it sustain you mm-hmm. you know you see that you get insights absolutely and you apply those insights because the stakes are higher absolutely so I think that helped alright now let's take our first break and when we come back we will now discuss how he was able to save his father's company all the way to bridge TNB Aura in our kingdom. Let's talk about that more after the break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We are still with David Bonifacio, then told us this amazing journey before we started to build the bridge uh, that got us here, technically. So we're still uh, building it. <laughs> technically. But the bridge is there, right? Because people always say, let's get, cross the bridge when we get there. The bridge is there, though. <laughs> Right to get this done. So again, you've helped the company stay afloat. How did that transition into building bridge? Because again, I'm feeling the crunch now. Right, we have a right 60 man team mm, in the wow. Philippines and in Indonesia. I think there's some scattered around the region too. But at a certain point in Podcast Network Asia's life, payroll became a big pain in the ass. Not just on how to fund it. That's on me. All right, that's my problem. <laughs> right. But disbursing payroll and making sure that we're above board, making sure that everything's on point became a big pain in the ass. And we're, we're a tiny company. Mm. I could just imagine how big of a problem it is for so many companies, especially if you're an emerging startup. Because eventually, that journey of a startup going from zero to one, looking for traction yeah. and yeah. whatnot, you won't notice it because so as you start hiring, you know, you're just trying to fill in gaps or, you know, plugging in holes. You realize like, oh my God, I have a 25-man team. There are HR issues. There are people who feel overworked and all these things that you solve in an HR, but the constant is there. Every 15th and 30th, payroll needs to be done whether you have money or not. How did you find this problem, first of all? And how did you solve it considering that there are also competition or incumbents who are probably not doing it as good as you guys are. So there's a few things, right? Like, okay. I think let's talk about first how we got into it. All right, let's yeah. do it. So I had the family stuff. Okay. Um, obviously that, that business was being fixed and they had to pay the bills. Yep. And 
I moved out early. I moved out like I was 21. Mm. You know? So then I needed to earn money. Okay. So I was also doing odd jobs on the side. Like, you know, like, you know, like I would teach. <laughs> you know, like because um, wow. I, I had also sold one of my smaller businesses before, ah, so I, I did have some savings, right? Gotcha. Getting oh, coming out of. But there were two companies that I started that were later on acquired by the CBTL Holdings Group. Paolo right? del Rosario. So Paolo Walden, yeah. Um, and so, so that's how I got into the group. Remember, I was working with the group for a long time. Then I it was so then I became their uh, director for strategy, wow. handling their investments in newly ventures. I don't know if you remember New Leaf. Yes, yes. I still, I remember going to their old office. I think Piccadilly. No, no, it's not Piccadilly. But the the one at the near SM Aura, that old office. Oh, Infinity. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. I remember going to their new office in Minarco. Yes. There. So see. I so they know. were on. I think they were in the tenth. We were in the right near near Facebook. I remember that building. Oh, in Minarco, they were like twenty plus. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. They leveled up there. Yeah. Right. Um. So. New Leaf had, let's say, Peril Hero. It's one of the investments, yep. right? Um, Elevation Partners, yep. uh, which is the company I actually started that they acquired. Mm. That was ended up, ended up being acquired also later on. But the Peril Hero investment was what introduced us to Payroll. Gotcha. Now, Judah Hirsch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, Steve Jagger. So oh, Judah Steve is Jag- Salarium. Sh- yeah. <laughs> I apologize, Steve Jagger. <laughs> Steve, you are my very first sponsor in Hustle Share. How can I oh, do really? this to oh, you? Wow. Yes, my bad, full Steve circle, Jagger. Full circle, yeah. Oh my God, Michael I'm, Stevenson. Michael my Stevenson, bad. yeah. Right, my bad, sorry. Mm-hmm. And so so I think I think what we saw then was there was room for a partner to these platforms right. where it was managed. Mm-hmm. So managed payroll. Right. So we partnered with Payroll Hero, uh, Sprout of Patrick, Gentry. Right. Um, and Alex. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And they're all awesome people. And, and I think that's kind of like, I guess, my trademark. And that's why the company's called Bridge. Gotcha. Is, Makes um, a lot of sense. The, the whole concept is in a world of or, look for end. Mm, what so, does that mean? So, so a lot of people a, will think that, that I should be competitors with Payroll Hero or, or Sprout. But really, we're partners. Wow. So if you look at it, um, we've built our business. Um, we're probably one of Sprout's biggest users I because we know we this. offer a managed Sprout product. Got it. So there are some customers that say, "I have I have full HR, I have everything I need to manage it. I'll just get the platform, right? That they go to, they go straight. Right, right. The DIY. Yeah. And there are some clients in the Philippines. I think there's a lot of them. We find that say, you know what? I don't want to have to think about this. Right. I don't want my team to think about this. I just want you guys to handle everything. And it's like. You know, it's like buying a uh, a car and a car and a driver. That's why you got Pod Machine right away when I told you about it. Because Pod Machine, yeah. technically, yes, we have our, produ- our amazing producers yeah. in house. There's a car and a driver, right? Yeah. But nobody wants to fucking edit their podcast on their own. Like me, I don't have time for this, right? I and in in a non-Philippine setting, people think that's nuts. Correct. So, so for example, a lot of people are saying, "Isn't that like weird that SaaS? Isn't that completely against SaaS?" Yeah. Right. The whole idea of SaaS mm-hmm. is you do it yourself, right? Like, but people yeah. will pay for convenience, Always. especially here. Right. Right. And I think I think where we're our differentiator at the payroll side, which mm-hmm. is payday bridge payday, um, right. is accurate, secure, on time payroll. Where we like to use these great tools, right? Right. We also have our own payday cloud, but ultimately the skill of your driver matters, of course, right? And so the skill of our payroll processor, I think, is what we really build on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why our clients are, you know, I think like some of our clients are like, are really long. You know, I've wow. been with us for a long time. Wow. 
And once you build that dependency, nobody wants to ever come back. Because at the end of the day, from a company standpoint, did I fix a problem? Yes. Is it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, it's right? so cheap. It's pretty much cheaper than having your own team, even exactly. with the processor. Right? I think that's the best. And then, so that's how we got into payroll. I mean, HR would be, wow. you know. But then the more I thought about it, the more it aligned with my own personal thing about HR, payroll, and and the things you can do to unlock mm-hmm. the life, right? The right. the things you can do to help maximize the payroll, right? Um, and that's where loans came in, you know, mm-hmm. at low cost loans, right? Um, versus kind of like BNPL or right, like so for example, we charge an average of like two percent a month. Wow. Yeah. An interest for for right. payroll loans, which is way cheaper than all of these BNPL yeah, or anything. Yep. Um, obviously, they, it, we don't have as big an amount in terms of we're not going to lend someone a million bucks, of course, when their salary, you know, <laughs> it's like, because that's a bank already. What? No, what? No, but I mean, we we have lent a person a million. Wow. But it depends on their salary, right? Of course, yeah. of course. And it, and it, because our end goal is not to have a loan book, our end goal is for the borrower to be financially secure. Correct. And so it was really interesting pre-pandemic. The amount of interest savings we had saved or would have saved, right? If the pandemic happened, it was about 41 million. And there's a high chance of, of course, not defaulting because you're probably going to do a salary deduction for that. Yeah, all salary deduction. Got it. I, I mean, our goal is our goal is not to make money off the bad habits of people. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, it's just sadly a good, sadly a good business model. It's right. sadly a very profitable business right, model, right. right? But we believe that there is a market for people who do need credit. Of course. But are actually responsible. Yes. So a uh, perfect example is my mom, mm. right? He raised me on good credit. Mm. She can't afford a lot of the stuff because she put me in good schools. Yeah. Made, gave me good opportunities and without that I I am a product of the opportunity she gave me because mm. the status quo of my family of course people are giving her shit for like putting me in a good school and whatnot because that wasn't what we can afford uh, as mm. a status quo but she knew that these investments eventually would pay off she couldn't afford it so credit was her line but one thing that's so amazing about my mom was I don't know how she pulled it off but she always paid on time even if she couldn't afford I don't know where to make she yeah. got the money or probably b- let, borrowed somewhere to pay Another one, but she always paid on time. And those are the types of people you want to support because eventually they are the ones who would need that extra bridge to, to cross the street because they're sending someone to school, they're a breadwinner. And again, that life that you're now providing them that eventually they'll cross that bridge too. I like how you, I mean, we should get that, we should we should use that story. Because okay. I'll give you an example. A lot of business mm-hmm. owners say we don't want to give our people access to these loans. Right. Th- that company is, ba- base- is, is actually called Bridge Access. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what we tell them is we don't want people borrowing. I think yeah. the first thing I, we explain is your people are borrowing, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. And a lot of it is not, some of it is driven by bad behavior. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of it is actually driven by the realities of life. You know? So what, what is an example of that, right? Like inflation. I mean, our wages don't rise f- as fast as prices. Mm. Right. So, what do you do? Or, for example, in the case of, let's say, someone who wants to put their child to a, a better school. Of course. Right? Obviously, there's, there's too much, right? Let's say if you're making a certain amount, and you want to put your kid in like IS or Brent. That's right. You know, it's like probably <laughs> Out of your league right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like. But it's a choice of like this is the choice before yeah. my mom had mm. public school or private school. Yeah. And that was a big, big opportunity. I'm yeah. not, not shitting on public school. I, my wife studied in a public school. She turned out great. What great. But again, meritocracy is a myth. Yep. 
Yeah. Right. She she gave me opportunities where again it's probably three notches above her her weight class, but she wanted to make sure that I get access to that. Yeah. Just for the opportunities. And so if you think about it, it's like if the credit extended, mm-hmm. let's say from the borrower side, is for a a purpose that creates more value than it was borrowed. Is within the reasonable ability of the person to repay, mm. okay, and is not, which includes low interest rate. Okay, then I think that's good credit. That's right? amazing. Now, if the, from the lender side, mm. if the credit was lent, you know, within the person's reasonable ability to pay, of course, right. Ideally, it's for a good purpose. You can't always control that. And then, of course, if there is a way to collateralize, then I think it's good credit or right. or deduct from the salary, right? So, because mm. I don't think most people don't pay. Out of like malice, no. I think it's because they didn't manage their hands their, are tied, yeah, or they didn't manage it. So if there was Correct. a way to to Discipline. deduct it, right? So I don't think credit is the enemy. I yeah. think bad credit is the enemy. Yeah, just like I don't think like that's why I, I tell business owners for people that have never had to have credit, right? They don't understand that sometimes credit is the only way Dude, for you I'm to, a if not, you're just credit. in this cycle. Yeah, yeah. Because eventually there will be uh, a chasm that you bridge again, pun intended. Eventually, that through that <laughs> persistence, the income would meet that credit, and then you'll then then be clean slate. If you think about technically an investment, right? Basically, acts like like a no collateral credit. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. like an advance, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just that there's no claims on it after. Exactly. If you think about a kid with rich parents. Mm. What the parents are paying forward is again like an example of a nun. It's like it's basically like it acts like credit. It's money that you don't have. Mm. You just don't have to ever repay it. Exactly. So so in that case, a lot of us benefit from other people's capital Correct. being advanced to us. Mm. And so the lower your interest rate is, the closer it becomes to an investment. Exactly. Right? The higher your interest rate, the the more it becomes digging yourself a you're serious. Yeah. Now I want to understand, David, from Again, you have this massive opportunity and there's a lot of people, millions and millions of people who need this. But again, you ran it like a proper business was supposed to be run. You've had two businesses that got acquired by uh, the the CBTL group prior to that. How were you able to create this and scale without having to raise too much money? When I say too much money where you're always dependent on fundraising the way startups are. Because again, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, I always say it, fundraising is not the end goal. Yeah. All right? Well, but, we we made every mistake in the book. Okay. To start like what? Bridge. Example. Like we made every mistake. Like I think my first mistake mm-hmm. was I gave up way too much shares too early. Okay. I think that's my, I always call that my original sin. Okay. <laughs> I don't necessarily blame anyone but myself. We didn't know any better. Right. You know, like we started in 2015. I didn't know any better. And mm. I was just really trying to get the thing off the ground, you know. Mm. I think, I think we also raised too little. Mm. I think we raised too little. So you gave up too little. You gave you gave, you gave too, up too much, much for, for too, too little. little. Yeah, which is like, like one of the dumbest things anyone. But can that do. was persistent in that during that time, 2015 yeah. to 2012. Yeah, that was the name of the game. And, and, Sharky and deals, that, and that is very difficult to get out of. No, right? you can't. I, I think I'm very grateful to my team for. Kind of like very committed to our word, right? Even if, you know, we basically didn't get as good a deal as the others. Yeah, you know. But you deal with the uh, the hand that you're dealt with, technically. So from then we had to fix it and say, hey, 
we can't keep racing because mm-hmm. then then we're down to like one percent. Correct. You know, like, so we and had to find a way. <laughs> yeah, and we had to work, change it right, right. Uh, into a way where let's just run. Like we can't promise the crazy valuations from racing and racing, mm-hmm. but it's also something that we can work towards. So we we had to correct a lot. I, I, I guess the bigger lesson here is, and we're still correcting a lot, right? Mm. Uh, the nice thing is that the pandemic really helped us, right? Like, like <laughs> just blow through all the corrections. Absolutely. But I think the nice lesson here is, I think for new founders is to avoid those mistakes. Yep. But I think the other side is that um, things are correctable. Correct. I think that's the other nice lesson where, you know, you, you can correct your mistakes. But you can only do that if you have traction. Okay. <laughs> that's the only there are certain mistakes that you're just better off starting fresh somewhere else correct right yeah. just, that, that's what happened in Party File I also got fleeced in, in yeah. my cap table yeah we didn't have enough traction to back it up so I'm gonna have to do it and then eventually it died yeah right but I had to do a clean slate chatbot PH was good got acquired yep yay <laughs> and, and I don't think I, I, I think in the Philippines in particular we, we have the wrong idea of like failure yeah. So, so I think a lot of people just try to avoid it altogether. Mm. Never wanna acknowledge it, call it. I yep. think. I, I think one of my superpowers is I've made so many mistakes yeah. that I find them so funny, that that I kind of like can learn from it and not mm. doesn't impact my sleep or anything like that. It's right. like we have, um, but it's just your ability to learn from your mistakes mm. because you're willing to call them as mistakes. Correct is very important, and so we're lucky that we could correct some of those mistakes, mm. right? But yeah, no, I mean, there there are some things I've tried that were just like, you know what, this is a loss. Yeah. Were, were there any near-death experiences? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What, how, absolutely. How close were you and how did you get uh, out of no, that? Very run? close, very close many times. Like the pandemic, the first mm-hmm. time it happened, right? Uh, okay. the, our AR was through the roof. You know, yeah. Like, a, lot of, <laughs> like a, large, a large AR <laughs> yeah. for a startup is nuts. Yep. Right? When you're talking about, let's say like, I think like in the 30 million. Or, what? It's big, oh, it's big, yeah. God. And you can't blame them because shit blows yeah, downwards, yeah, yeah. right? You can't blame them, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's twenty between twenty and thirty. Um, I don't remember anymore. But the wow. but I think that that was one. I think early on we've had a few also. Um, like there were many things that we did in a rush. Mm. You know, like oh, because you're just thinking about the next thing to do to grow. Okay. You know, it's been a lot. I mean, I can't. I mean, there's definitely been more than one mm. near death. Uh, oh, you know, another one uh, recently was you know since we're doing loans, right? We're working yeah. wholesale loans, and so. Some of the best sources for wholesale funding for loans are international because yeah. they have low cost, they have low interest. Correct. Right. Now, because we hadn't signed on it, then the dollar went up. Ooh, so that would have been that would have been bad. So, so imagine if you had like a five million dollar loan that goes up by twenty percent. Oh right? my god. Yeah. So that would have been bad. So so we're very fortunate, mm-hmm. you know, that and I think that's where you, I, I have to give credit to um to the directors, mm. right? To the board for for one is sticking with us, correct? You know, we're 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 overdue for an exit. Yeah, you know, like the company survived; it's growing, but we're definitely overdue for an exit. But I mean, they've been very, very supportive, and yeah, I think they're also very realistic. That's good. You know, the pandemic mm-hmm. changed a lot of the plans, right? You know, so and I think it also helps that they know that I have a lot of skin in the game. Absolutely, right? it's not like right. I just, I'm playing with. Just everyone. the box stops with you at the yeah. end of the day, right? So they're you're bored again. Just provide context for those people who are listening, right? This is why it's important to let the right people in your company. It's not about the money; it's yeah. the right people because it's it's so easy to say, "Hey, I'm excited about your business. Let me invest." Blah blah blah. But when shit hits the fan, that's when you know who you really. We definitely made that mistake, <laughs> right? No, but there are. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if there are far more that where so many 
so much more root for you and are helping yeah. to not just watch in the sidelines and watch you suffer, but are willing to give you a hand. The the buck stops with you and you're going to be able to find a way to get you out of that rut. But that extra hand of like, all right, let me help you out. Let me give you a favor. That can be life or death for any startup. That happened to us in PA so many times last year in 2020 and during the pandemic. But there's always the right investor that are always going to be, again, an angel yeah. to, well, to get, at, get us out. I think that's what attracted me to TNBora mm. when, they, when they reached out, right? I mean, I, I, we met them through another transaction, right? But the, I think when I think about the differentiator of TNBora, I think one is the governance. Yes. You know, I really wish um, I paid more attention to that early on, mm. that I wouldn't have had to correct so much. Correct. Um, but I'm really glad that, like, for me, that's probably the theme of this year. Yeah. Right. At least from an execution side. Um, yeah. Which I think I've appreciated. And I think the other side is low volume deals mm. because they do very few deals a year. Right. They get the really nitpick. Yeah, they don't, they don't kind of like message blast everyone and say, oh, we supported everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Saying they're like, they're, they're, they can read right the found the, the, the GPs call you. You wow. know, yeah. So I think, like, I think, and the and the venture partners, right? The, everyone is everyone is because if you're only talking about let's say like twenty deals a year, mm. it's not hard, mm. right? It's not hard to really build a relationship with these people. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I think connecting that to you know, I, I you know, I've been asked by other funds to to be a venture partner, mm. venture partner and I really appreciated the, a group that had heavy governance mm. and really long term relationships. Mm. I mean, the capital is, everyone has capital already at this point. I mean, in terms of funds, right? They won't be mm -hmm. a fund if they don't have a capital. But I think, I think that was a major differentiator because when you look at what ends up killing uh, a company down the road mm. is um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're growing really fast, right? Yep. You really create entropy. Absolutely. Right? And it's not necessarily wrong. It's part of the process, right? Mm. So you have to be able to create your issues in a way where it's manageable, Mm -hmm. Or you can you can correct it down the road mm -hmm. versus you create issues that and you go terminal. It's a time bomb. After that. Yeah, yes, you know, it's like that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we we just to provide context on how something will provide entropy or fa over fatigue. Right mm -hmm. when we grew a little bit too fast in Podcast Network Asia, we went from five shows to two hundred thirty shows in the span of wow. two years. Wow. So. Our production team felt that, and the system that we had at show 230 was pretty much the same system we had at five, five mm, shows. Wow. So that wasn't gonna scale. So we had to reinvent the wheel last year, dissect this whole thing so that people don't feel overworked. It's never our, never our intention to overwork people. What the hell? <laughs> Who thinks that anyway, right? Yeah, I, don't yeah, care. Yeah. I don't care how devilish you are, but yeah. nobody thinks like, yeah, let's overwork people today, right? No. But we had to really dig down deep and figure out if we're ever going to scale, we had to pump the brakes. Mm. We cannot continue with the same pace because what it's going to cost us is this amazing team. Yeah. We lost a good chunk of our team. And that's one thing that we learned. But again, because there was this, it wasn't entropy. It was more, <laughs> we used the muscle too much and we strained it. Yeah, yeah. Right? And with, with any type of injury, you need to, step back and give it a rest mm. so that you can build muscle again and, and, and resistance. And at that point, we had to reinvent the wheel, change the way we edit, change the way we produce, and then Pod Machine came out. Mm. And now we're better than ever, mm. right? But in hindsight, we, I, I, and then you only know this after it happens. Yeah. 
I wish I would have done it sooner. I wish I would have done the HR shit sooner. Yeah, yeah. I wish I would have done these things. But you don't know because you're you running don't know what 100, you don't know. Dude, yeah. you're 100 miles per hour, yeah. right? And you're just trying to win. Yep. And win and at the same time fucking survive. Yeah. Right? It's like, fuck, it's so hard. But again, everybody goes through this. The most important thing is you are able to correct it. Yeah. Right. You know, that's why, it, you know, people say everyone should be an entrepreneur. I think that's yeah. like a really bad piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, are you ready for this yeah. shit? No. You know, there's, there's sports and there's yeah. extreme sports, mm -hmm. right? Extreme sports, this is you can die. Yeah, you can <laughs> oh die, right? Like, I think, uh. I, I also think that, uh, that's why I think deep down inside, I'm more a PE guy than a VC guy. Mm. You know? So you, so for for those people, PE is not physical education, huh? Yeah. It's private <laughs> equity oh, yeah, yeah. versus so venture capital. I prefer, capital. you know, something that's built now, ready yeah, for scale. Yeah, versus let's say like zero to one, one, right? Like not not maybe. I mean, I love zero to one stuff. Yeah. But I maybe not be that skilled in it. You know what I'm saying? Like Got I it. think I'm more like you're already one. I can take to a thousand. Exactly. You know, like that. Um, and again, I've learned this in in shout out Insignia Ventures Academy. Uh, ah, they nice, they yeah. let me participate last year in one of their cohorts, and I realized that okay, VC is really you're betting on a founder at a super high re high risk high reward yeah uh, era for a hundred x return. Yeah. Nine out of your ten investments are gonna be fucked. Yeah, right. But that one can hopefully hopefully yep. Yep. not everybody gets it. Will offset all your losses in PE. It's two to three x return, but yeah. there is now a bigger, a stable and less risky thing because the company has now figured out how to be profitable, mm. and all they need money for is to scale. Yeah, there. All right, now let's take our last break, and when we come back, let's now talk about the NBR and how you then wear that hat along with pay it forward to the rest of the startup ecosystem. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. 
Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We are still with David Bonifacio. Always made piok. Uh, <laughs> I'm super excited to... Finally be able to record in person again after a couple of years of not being able to do it. And again, brand new podcast network, Asia Studios, that you can rent, by the way, if you can check it out. That's a nice place. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. And again, for those investors who trusted us, this is where your money went. <laughs> Physical store. No, because no, during the tail end of the pandemic, there's more and more need to get people to really record. And it's, it's way different. I love doing it in Zoom, mm-hmm. but feeding off of your energy and having that, you know. Yeah, no, it's different. It's totally different. And you, you can probably notice this in the way all we also sound is more consistent because we're using the same mic setup. World class on podcast network age students. Sorry, just plugging. <laughs> but again, we're now talking about TNB Aura. So venture partner, you're doing bridge at the same time. But on the other side, you wear another hat, right? You are now uh, part of a VC firm as a venture partner. Just being naive and for those people who are like, what the hell is a venture partner? Can you describe first what the role is in why did you choose TNB Aura again over the other funds who are trying to get access to this? 
first and foremost is the well, when I'm when I'm thinking about the mm. the TNB side, right? Like the so a venture partner is basically you can look at it like buy side, sell side, right? Mm. So there's a part where you know you're helping fundraise, mm. right? Particularly locally, right? Um, I think the more of the work though since the fund is mm. is closed, right? Um, is looking for deals. Mm. So we look for Series A deals. Um, but then now that we have a scout fund, we're willing to back scout deals. So the scout deals are about 250k a check. Okay. The Series A deals are like a million, you know. Right. And up. So, so scout deals is anything before A, or yeah. how is there a range where like at seed? Yeah, you know, like right now we're 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 defining it. Mm-hmm. it, but ideally the scout deals can become an A deal. Got it. Which I think is great because then you know that you have someone with a million dollar check waiting to. To right. follow to on, double right? down, yeah, right. So that's why we put in just as much effort into the scout deals, yeah, yeah, and 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 to it's like pre-game already, technically, yeah. So right. I think the what I've appreciated about the NBR is really the discipline, okay. And so there's a methodology, mm. which means that we miss a lot of deals. Particularly, we miss a lot of deals. We also miss some good deals. Mm. You know, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But that's also why we have a positive record. Got it. You know, in terms of IRR. This is our second fund, mm-hmm. so I think the discipline to to stick to your strategy, you know, miss some deals, get some deals, be okay with it, not to be FOMO, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. I I I just find that FOMO drives a lot of the deals here. Absolutely, you know, <laughs> anywhere. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's true. Anywhere, right. and I think, and I do think that that is part of the business. Yeah, you know, your ability. To, I mean, you you've seen people who are successful driving it yeah. succeed in a sense. Yeah. I just don't know. Like I personally, I'm not good at that. Mm. So, so I, I I I like being part of something where that doesn't require me to be good at that. Got it. No, but all right. If you're really very particular in the type of startups, can you just describe first what type of startups you like investing on? Because of course, a lot of people didn't make the cut mm. or you didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. So, David, what are the type of uh, the common denominators across the the startups that you guys like to invest in here in the Philippines? Yeah, you know, in the Philippines, we actually liked a lot. Okay. Um, very interesting a lot. Our methodology, like one of them, is we call it the China Unicorn methodology, where China Unicorn. Uh, okay. I think I don't know if we showed it. We we mapped out you know different startups in China that went, became unicorn, mm. and then mapped out the you know the the factors that we believe led to it. Okay. And then we look at different companies that have that precedence. Mm. In let's say Indonesia, Vietnam, and we score them against that, right? So, Got it. so I think the Philippines has a lot of interesting deals mm. for sure. Fintech, I mean, that's crypto. why we're here, right? It wasn't. I mean, it's the newest of the markets, right? Yep. We're in Vietnam. And finally, we're on the we're on the radar because this was a dead area for a long time, right? <laughs> and and I think a lot of the issues have been really structural. Mm. Okay, so one one would be cap table. Yep. <laughs> um, another one would be you know um, this because you've been you've yeah, seen a bad yeah. chat table. In I mean, right. like I, I I feel like local investors need to help the next batch of startups. Right. You know, like have a better cap table. Mm-hmm. And I think this happens when you're trying to cash in too quickly. Or you're trying to reassure yourself too quickly. Yeah. You know, it's like you feel like the more control you have, the more the business can do better, which is really. Nah. Um, very You're different handicapping from how, that business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's a major issue. I okay. think another one would be structural in the form of like if a company's uh, registered here, yep. you know, then you have capital gains. You have this hurdle rate from yeah. day one. Um, <laughs> so another handicap. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely and it's not an easy handicap. Nope, because it's like you have 
that's a that's a government you know like so that's why sometimes they'll have these startup bills a part of it is in investment i don't think the government investing is the key nah. because there's a lot of money that's interested to invest anyway mm. i think that the challenge is really your tax structure nope. you know and i don't think they're going to change it unfortunately here yeah doubt it yeah <laughs> so and I, it's out of my control right so we yeah. have to play within the boundaries right Correct. but having said that it when we do our math and we discount with you know do you put a million bucks in company a in the philippines or company or in a in vietnam mm. right or singapore unless it's super duper amazing then you're going you to have to pick their the right one now some funds they they will do it right just to be able to say we're everywhere yeah right and tnbr like i mentioned the discipline is very yeah. um yeah so i think that's one i think i think we're also very cautious about fomo valuations FOMO yeah. valuation, you know, like, and, and it's not to say that those companies don't deserve their valuations. I right. think your valuation is the valuation you raise. That's that's Correct. your valuation, right? Correct. Like, no matter what anyone, whatever says. bit, yeah, at that valuation. But it may not fit our risk, our, our our risk model, our pricing model. Got it. Right. So I think the discipline to be able to say no to something because it doesn't yeah. fit your your model, even if it's potentially a good one, right? Mm. Like, um, so so for example, I remember my my mother said like, should I invest in Tesla? Okay. Right. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, no, she had shares in ARK Invest. Okay. Right? ARK Invest. Something. And so it's like, do you think this is a good investment? Okay. Right. I said, the first thing you need to ask is, what are your investment goals? Okay. Right. Because based on that, what's your horizon? Ah. Right. So let's just say for someone who needs the money in, I mean, my mom's in her 60s. Right? Yeah. I think. But I think she's in her 60s, right? So it's like, <laughs> You're gonna want to retire soon, right? You don't right. want things that are, that, you know, term, yeah, yeah, or or locked up or could yeah. crash in the short term like that. Mm. Or um, another one I remember, my mom was attending a. Um, my mom's my mom. The fact that she's into finance is interesting, right? But the, but yeah. my mom was like looking at like investing in stocks. Mm. My mom's a painter, so I was telling her, okay, let's look at. Let's say you wanted to make a million pesos a year, okay. right? In in clean in, um, mm. inflow, right? Mm-hmm. If you wanted to make that from investing, and let's say you're a decent investor and you could make 10% mm. a year, that's not easy. Investing right. in stocks, making mm. 10%, no. especially nowadays, right? You would need 10 million pesos in your account at 10% to make a million. Yep. But as a painter, if you sell, let's say, four paintings at 250,000 pesos, then you mm. make a million doing the thing you love, doing the thing you're good Correct. at. And so, so I think like you have to really start with those outcomes mm. and then you work backwards. So, so just going back to the question, right? Like, a lot of the companies that we like because of the way they're structured mm. won't help us achieve the outcomes mm. that we're targeting. Yeah. But market, oh, it's like, yeah. like we're, we're really hoping to help these companies unlock the market, right? Like potential that, um, but, but until these structural things are, mm. are fixed, um, I think we'll see more scout deals than, than big deals, gotcha. at least from us. But eventually, I mean, again, just give it time. Eventually, I hope some, so. A lot of those will, and will... there are bigger funds that are making those bets. Correct. You can see it, but you're already in the cap tables. At least you get your ideally, uh, yeah. Uh, and I, and I think we will make bigger bets this year. There you That's go. That's for sure. Yeah. So if you're a startup, you um, we're looking. Yeah, there you go. Like you, you it will come out soon. Mm-hmm. But the, but you're gonna find a lot of Philippine targeting startups mm. registered in Singapore. Of course. Right. Now, or one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's smart, actually. It's yep. just as a Filipino, I wish we could capture more of that here. But 
Yeah. If your government doesn't structure you in such a way to do that, then I mean, we still have a. a you provide a, jobs here. You yes. know, you do things like that. Yeah. But the the hold call will yeah. always be in SG or somewhere else. Uh, if you like, yeah, IRA. Delaware. But <laughs> <laughs> if you like the RA, yeah, yeah, IRA, yeah, yeah, that's worse. Dublin, yeah, yeah. or wherever. If you're Seychelles, whatever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if you're in crypto, but okay, this is uh, going a couple steps back as a venture partner. What's your day to day like? Because again, you still have bridge to run, and I'm yeah, very, I spend, very I spend, like I, I spend very like I think because we have a methodology and we have a team, okay. we're able to narrow down who to meet. Mm. You know, I think that's that's a big help, right? Like it's not like throw a party, meet everyone, and grab drinks with everyone or coffee. Yeah, with yeah, everyone. yeah. I think it's that's not one. shotgun spray yeah. and pray. So I think that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And then when we do have the meeting, our questions are prepared. You know, and so we're, and then of course we leave room for, you know, things that they may say that we didn't, because we, most of these businesses we don't, like again we don't know what we don't know, right? Yeah. We 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 like look and we we look a lot at precedents, right? So I think so yeah. So I wouldn't say it takes up like it, it's a non-operating role, okay. you know. So I think that's a that's a good one, yeah. right? No, but again, it, it's deal deal flow and deal sourcing. It's a full-time job. I've, I've yeah. I mean, I I tried. Playing around with it again with Insignia Ventures Academy, and oh my God, this is just like sales, <laughs> right? Well, and that's I, where your good team helps, right? Yeah. So, and again, network. At the end of the day, you have to have that back channel re- yeah. re- really buzzing because, I'm, of course, there's FOMO. But if you have a methodology, then you, you're easily easily going to be able to sift out the winners from the not yet's. Yeah. Right. It, it's not. It's because uh, they're 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 just not. Investable, maybe it's just not the right time, right? It's never a never. It's rarely a never, actually. Majority of them are not yet. Now, I have a few questions, David, because it was such an amazing thing. Um, last, last, last thing I want to dabble on. There's the arch, archangel or archangel. I don't know what the proper uh, pronunciation. Yeah, archangel. Yeah. Archangel. What with that? How aligned is that with with how you guys source out things in TNB Aura as well? And what are the types of businesses you like to support there? And I guess structure, what's that like too? You know, I think this is one of the more kind of like, I think right now it's counterintuitive, but I think mm-hmm. you're going to find more and more people are are going to be like this, okay. right? Where different people will be part of different platforms because those platforms have very clear mandates, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about like TNBR, Series A, VC, Yep. You know, like very clear mandates, very clear methodology. Mm-hmm. It allows different people mm-hmm. um, from other platforms to connect, mm-hmm. right? And contribute to the mandate of that right. platform. Yeah, we, you see this in social networks. You see this in like, you know, like um, the, the old model is kind of like you get hired by a company. The company owns you. Yeah. You know, if you aren't seen working, you're not working. I think more and more, the most productive people you'll find are are going to be, in a sense, multi-platform. Yeah. You know, but those platforms are going to be very clear about their mandate and going to be very clear about how they operate right. so that they don't conflict. Okay. Know? With Ar- yeah. Ar- Archangel, what's the mandate per se? So the mandate is, so I guess the simplest way to say is faith-driven impact investing. Gotcha. You know, Philippines focused. Okay. Not necessarily venture, not necessarily like VC. Okay. Um, and, the, and, and part of it is because some of these impact investments need to be more patient. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. And I and I think it also it's like on one end you need to be patient. On another end, you don't really want them blitz scaling. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. I mean if they're able to, why not, right? But I yeah. think the reason is because 
not everyone can handle bit scaling. Nope. Let's say like mentally or spiritually, uh-huh. you know, or something like that. So, so I think instead of putting up a charity, mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people want to have a career. They want to have jobs. They want to have investment. Mm-hmm. They want to have community impact either through a charity. And so the more you empower people to do that, the better I think it is for, really for your, for, mm-hmm. so as an entrepreneur, right? I, I see my role as helping create the organizations that help people do that. Mm. Right. That's why I like, I, you know, I've, there've been multinationals that, that have, you know, I, I, like I remember I had a meeting with a headhunter mm. and the headhunter said, wow, this is an amazing call, <laughs> but they would never like you. You'd never like them, you know, right. because you're, you're, you're meant to birth these organizations that allow people to connect with. So I think that's where Archangel allows people of similar faith okay. for me, at least to help us put, our money where our faith is. Because mm. a lot of, I mean, the Christian, they, they, they calling yourself a Christian or all these things, like, mm. like it, it could be many different things to many different people. Yeah. Right. But I think at some point, it's not simply whether you're a good, like well-behaved or misbehaved. I don't think that's the line really. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it, it really speaks to what do you value? You gotcha. know, and where do you pour your resources into it? So I think that's important. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so all these different platforms, and there's other platforms that I'm involved in, right? Like, it's about being able to contribute value mm. to those platforms. And the important thing is that the value is seen. Mm-hmm. And and there are times where you know you try it, doesn't work out, then you just switch. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like right. And usually, it's not because you can't contribute or because there's no value in that platform. It's usually because it's not as clear. Mm. you know what what your contribution is or or how you can contribute or yep. yeah so i think but i but I, that's why i'm very excited about this whole hr space because i think the more companies empower people to be multi-platform the more people will not want to leave or that's not a network to. effect too uh, absolutely and again uh yeah it, it's if you if if your mindset early on was to really see the value through people then this doesn't get you as close as anything else. I guess probably healthcare is going to be the next I one. I mean, you think a- about it, right? Like, it's not rare to find a CEO mm-hmm. angry at their employee for being involved in too many things. Yep. Only for you to find out that they're more involved in more things. <laughs> right? So it's like, obviously, there's, there, there is an importance for focus and all yep. of that. But what the important thing is that you identify what is the outcome that you're supposed to deliver on, deliver on it, mm-hmm. right? And and if you can help people deliver on their outcomes without shackling them to one job, one role, one company, or, or one, yeah, then then you end up, um, you know, like freeing them. Now, this is a double-edged sword because right. for people who don't, who, who say, oh, I love that, mm-hmm. but they don't have measurable, tangible results, they're better off focusing on one, yeah. right? Because then they're just spread thin and all of that. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. So I think it's it's a double-edged sword, but I think for people who can handle it, then you then they become force multipliers, right? Versus like you're caging in someone who's super talented simply because you can't handle an employee like that. Yeah. Got it. All right. Now let me just ask you a couple more paid forward questions because again, you're one of select few that can actually that have lived through this and have, have come out alive very well. And again, you've, you've always been given, uh, you're, you're giving solid advice and I'm a recipient of that. But I want to understand from, again, let's go back to how we did a dip, deep dive uh, in a segment before this. There were a lot of near-death experiences, very stressful things, and you've been doing bridge since 2015. Yeah. Right? 
that's seven years. That's an eternity in, in, in tech. <laughs> Too right? long in tech, yeah. Right? That's an eternity. I want to understand when the buck stops with you and the toll is just you, and we bring shit to our bed, to our, bed, to our bedroom, and the yeah. last thoughts in your head technically can be, again, can make or break you. Mm. How do you cope with that imbalance? Because a lot of the startup founders that listen to this are probably well in their first year, second year, and knowing what you know now, how would you advise them to cope with it the way you cope with it mm. for the past seven years? I think the key word is knowing what you know now. I wouldn't say I coped with it very well. Okay. How bad did it get? I, you know, I like I think I think I did okay. You know, I survived, like you said. I think that's a good word. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say like my relationships were great then. You know, mm. like pre my wife, my relationship were very short. Right. Yeah. You know? I, I think I think the the best thing is that you can learn now. I think you know if I were to kind of synthesize a lot of the thoughts, right? Like, right. Really, our unhappiness is that gap between our expectations and reality. Yes. Right. Um, I wish I knew that sooner, mm. and I wish I accepted it sooner. Where there could be a way to to lower that, to kind of like lower that gap. Mm. So I'll give you an example, right? Sometimes we're not just in a rush to build our business. We're in a rush to enjoy the benefits of a big business. Yes. And that's two different things. Cash out right away. Right. Or for example, it's like, I want a certain salary right away. Or I want a certain, like, and I realize that, you know, you, you live a certain way too quickly. Yep. Right. And then, you, and then it creates that, stress right because not that it's wrong to want something more yep. right i think i think it's just that because it's a rush right mm-hmm. you know when i when i look back if there were a few things that i would have done sooner i think the first one is really and i'm glad i got this one at least relatively early which is really choose your own score mm. you know and and what that means is sometimes valuation is the only score that, that and it becomes misleading. Correct. In the startup world, it's really about being clear about the North Star metric. Of course. I wish I was clearer about my own life's North Star metric, you know, and then optimize towards that. Correct. And if I wasn't sure, I think I think what I would tell people is like, um, that's why it's really important to be teachable, to explore, to experiment, saying that you know what, I may not have everything figured out, but someday I'm going to find that, that North Star metric. Now, part of that means that other people don't have to agree with you. Of course. Right? And, and, and it's your North Star metric. It's your personal one. Yeah. So. And, and you have to, I think, I think one thing I did do, right, is I guarded against being bitter when I was rejected. You know? It's like, oh, I, your idea sucks or your business sucks. Correct. Right? Like, or somebody, think, want, somebody want, doesn't want to invest in you. Yeah. Or something like that. And, and I think your ability to absorb rejection, which is actually infinite. <laughs> we take L's for a living. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Start yeah. Up but when you realize, hey, you know what? It's not the end of the world. I'm not dead. I'm still exactly. eating. You exactly. know, it's like, it's it's an ego. So I think the ability to be like, okay, next person, right? Next fundraise. I think that's huge, right? I think the other one is, like I mentioned earlier, like build connections, yep. like long-term, strong, long-term connections. Friendships. Yeah, not, right. not just network. Mm. You know, like I think, I think if people like working with you, Right, not just kind of like because they trust you because they see the value you bring. I think it's yeah, huge. Absolutely, I think create value. You know, create and capture value for all your stakeholders. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I should have been clear about that. Mm-hmm. I would have been way more deliberate. So now I have like a map of my life nice. and what becomes the key relationships 
based on these businesses, based on these that they. And this is like uh, uh, something in like you've documented it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's on my. So wow. for example, like I have many friends, mm. but I have few people that I like. For example, my wife, my son, mm. like my parents, you know, her like my business partners that I say like these are the people that uh, I'm committed to. Nice. You know that I need to find a way to deliver value, and if I can't, you know, then I, you know, I, just, I, I look for ways, right? Absolutely. I think the last one would would probably be, and this one, I'm, this is part of kind of like my New Year's reflection, right? Is mm-hmm. to try to live life magnanimously, right? You know, like, I don't know, like, like, I don't know if you're into like stoic philosophy, mm-hmm. right? But basically, the idea of being able to live above circumstances. And 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 live according to principle. To be gracious mm-hmm. when when the when the times are not gracious. To be generous when things are tight. Uh, to be calm when things are 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 like you know like yeah. stormy or chaotic. I I think it's important to be able to know that no matter what the what's happening in the business, you know you can you can always step back, nice. right? And you don't have it's 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 not the end of the world if the business fails or it's not the end of the world. It, it's hard. I'm telling you, it's really Absolutely. hard. I mean, like. Like everyone's been into that, like, how am I going to make payroll tomorrow situation? <laughs> and it's just super stressful, right? Yeah. yeah. But again, it's just like being in crunch time in basketball, right? You only get better at it through repetition. And there's and no greatness without it. But I think the single biggest thing really is having great partners. Like I, during the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. I, I spoke to the leaders, you know, like uh, Sharon, Eric, Jana mm-hmm. um, of Bridge, right? And we said like, um, we won't take salaries until we fix this, mm-hmm. right? So I think for nearly ten months we didn't get salaries. Wow! Yeah. And so when I say great partners, I think the first thing is the willingness of them to stay committed. Yeah. Without that, but also then you realize because they had saved also, it, there's a certain quality to them where they were in a position to do it. Yeah. They because they had saved, mm-hmm. and they, in other words, it's like you know, like high quality partners really helps during tough times. Yeah. But I think the best part is now the team can see that. You know these leaders didn't take pay for you literally Correct. to save your jobs. Exactly. You know, and I and I think it's very opposite of what you see usually. No. And I think it's a good foundation for the future. So I think that would be the like surround yourself with really high quality people. Right. You know, not necessarily fancy or no. or people you can count on when shit hits the fan. I, I, I don't know. I probably don't know a single Forbes or the thirty first. But I mean, like, but I'm just saying, like, um, nothing against them, right? I'm just right. saying it's like I think. Some of these people you already have in your life yeah. and that may not seem very impressive or anything, but as you can say, you can count on them. Yeah. Right. And again, just I, I totally agree. Um, I'm only enjoying the fruits of that now because for the first two startups that I've had, I'm a solo founder, technically. I've had mm. some part-time co-founders, but it's different when somebody's there yeah. clocking in and you're hand in hand and you you've got- The pandemic, I think, showed a lot of people- Right. And again, just wanted to show, show my gratitude to my co-founder Joseph. Thirdly, uh, mm. uh, Joseph, who is the- oh, like jo- you think about someone like Joseph, right? Like right. he's very capable. He has many options in life, right? right? But he just yeah. decided to stick it out on on months that were short. Yep, dude. Sorry about your bills. Sorry about my bills. But we need we need to pay the guys. We they they will get yeah. fed. But yeah. this is something that I super 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 am grateful now. Mm. Because it's a ride, ride or die type of, type of relationship that mm. we we go down with the ship if shit hits the fan. Yeah, yeah. We've saved the company so many times last <laughs> year when we were really d- darn close from dying, right? Uh, for from 
Yeah, it's what legends are made of, right? You have so Joseph, yeah. you're a chubby legend. There you go. <laughs> you know, you know, we did our like uh, marriage engagement seminar together. Yeah, yeah. But right. <laughs> which I didn't finish though. <laughs> I need to go back. Oh man! All right. So again, Joseph, you are my wife in TNA. <laughs> Sorry, you're the girl. Just kidding. But yeah, again, super. Thank you so much. David, for such an amazing, amazing episode. But before I let you go, if people want to work with you on two things, again, if TNBRF, they want to pitch you, and also if they want to try out the best payroll solution in the land, where do they go and how do they do that? Uh, yeah, it, it, the easiest is to email me, mm-hmm. David at Bridge Southeast. Bridge Southeast, one word. Mm-hmm. Uh, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's also another one. I don't check it as much though. Okay, um, but just try. look for David Bonifacio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to check it a lot. That's one of my New Year's resolutions. There right? you go. Like, or hang out in BGC. Find him near um, the Shangri-La area. He's always or, or even there. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, David Bonifacio. There you go. Or Twitter. I think anything David Bonifacio on the social media. Right. Like, There's only I rarely one, use yeah. Facebook though. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So oh, you'll be surprised. And Facebook is probably like 30. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But again, if you want to reach out, there's a lot of things. Super interesting conversation. But again, thank you very much, Mated. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you see any five stars, hit us with a five star so that we can, you know, get feedback over if you like our episodes or not. If we did say some jargon, it's going to be in the show notes on holoshare.com. And lastly, we have a brand spanking new community called Hustle Share Premium. So please do check it out because now we're going to be giving you access to the best episodes playlists and a whole lot more so check it out on hustleshare.com all right and thank you so much again david hey thanks it was fun yeah all right and i'll see you guys in the next episode peace Views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.